Thanks for joining us today at Springwell Church, where we want to draw spiritually thirsty people to Jesus by loving God, loving each other, and loving the world. We hope that today's message builds you up, gives you a little insight, and helps you find a brand new perspective. You can find us in Taylor, South Carolina, and online at springwell.org. That's springwell.org. Now let's jump into the message. Got a little turkey hangover going on? Did y'all, did y'all eat a lot? Did you say Subway? Not quite. Oh, not quite. I thought she said Subway. I was like, hey, you have your own traditions. <laughs> I would choose something else, but hey, you can have a turkey sub. Uh, we're, glad you're, we're glad you're here. Uh, before, I get, before I get started, I do want to uh, say that uh, Pastor Scott will be back next Sunday to get us ready uh, for Christmas. Um, so for the month of December, he is uh, the man. But I, I just wanted to say before I get started, thank you guys so much for the last few weeks of listening to um, what I felt like God was saying through me. Um, and uh, in, case you, in case you don't know this, uh, Pastor Scott is an extremely generous man. Um, most pastors of uh, churches like ours would not allow uh, some young buck to share his pulpit with him for that extended amount of time. But uh, in case you didn't know this, your, your senior pastor is um, a rare find, <laughs> a rare breed. Um, there's not many like him that love his church, love his people, um, but are also so willing to not be the center of attention. And so, um, yeah. And so just thank you so much for, for listening to everything I had to say. And, uh, Maybe some of it was good. All right, let's get started. <laughs> now, in case you, I, I, told the, I told the first service, you know, I was actually thinking driving on the, way in, on the way in this morning, you know, if you would have told me at 15, 16, whenever I first started, started preaching, that one day that I would get to preach to um, a church like ours, um, I would have pinched myself and uh, just thought that it was, it was, it was crazy. Um, but, you know, some, some kids growing up, grow up wanting to do different stuff. I kind of grew up wanting to preach. And so I love the fact that I've got, I get to do it and, um, I'm not, I'm not done. So I don't want it to sound like that, but no, for the next few weeks, I just, I just want to say thank you. Um, I want to read a passage of scripture before we dive too far in this morning. And this is going to kind of be the, the crux of, um, what I want to talk about this morning. And then we'll kind of go back and go back and revisit it. By the way, wasn't, wasn't last Sunday awesome? What? I mean, when, when God just shows up in, in a moment like that, and like you, whether you realize it's him or not, you just leave with something different. Like you got Holy Spirit something on you, you know, and you're like, you, you don't want to get it off. You don't want to wash your hands, but you have to because it's 2020. But, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like last Sunday was just, was, was just amazing. And uh, I've, I've loved hearing the stories of of people that have last week has impacted them. Okay, that's it. I'm done. We're diving in. Y'all ready? If you're listening to the podcast, it starts now. Second Kings 5.1 says this. It says, Now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but... But he had leprosy. So I want to ask you an awkward question to start this morning. What's your butt? What's your... 
What's your but? And by that, I mean, not that kind of lane, but I mean, what is that thing? What is that thing that, that holds you back? What is that thing that seems to keep you from who you are to who you want to be? What is that sin? What is that thought pattern? What is that habit that you can't seem to break? break? What, what is that thing where it feels like every time you are running the race well and you feel like you're getting somewhere, it's that thing. And maybe it's bitterness, maybe it's unforgiveness, but it's that thing that just kind of clutches you and yanks you back. What is, what is that thing? What, what is your but? What is that thing that separates you from other people? What is that thing that separates you from receiving all that you know you can be, all that you know God created you to be? What is that, what is that thing? What is that issue? We all have an issue. It's that thing you can't get rid of, that thing you can't seem to, to shake. It's that thing you don't tell anybody about. It's that thing that's deep, deep down inside of you and you've never revealed it to even your closest friends or maybe even your spouse, but yet it, 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 it robs you of so much. What is, that, what is that thing? What is that habit that you've said over and over and over again, this is it, I stop Monday or I stop today, but yet it keeps cropping back up and you know it's not the best for you. What are those insecurities those things that you battle with that you know aren't true, but yet it still shapes the way you think about yourself and it shapes the way you treat other people and how you participate in relationships. What is that, that thing? What is, what is your butt? Because for Naaman, it was, it was leprosy. And leprosy, in case you didn't know, in the Bible is kind of a general term often used for just a skin condition that had like outward symbols of it that kind of showed up on the skin. But most people believe that Naaman, and it's, it's pretty much a fact, that Naaman actually had leprosy. Leprosy were symptoms that started on the skin and peripheral nervous system. And I'm reading this because peripheral nervous system isn't in my very vocabulary. Then it spread to other parts, such as the hands, feet, face, and earlobes. Patients with leprosy would often experience disfigurement of the skin and bones, twisting of the limbs, and curling of the fingers. Facial changes would include thickening of the outer ear and collapsing of the nose. So it was no mistaking. When you saw Naaman, you knew that he had leprosy because leprosy could not be hidden. Unfortunately, many of the issues that you and I fight and the issues we battle, we can hide. Or we think we can, right? What are your, what are your hidden issues? What are those things that you've been hiding from everyone? Because if they found out, it might change everything. What are your hidden issues? And here's why it's important, because you can't heal what you're always hiding. You can't deal with what you refuse to reveal. It's not just the issues that we have inside of us either, but sometimes these issues can be things that other people place on us as well, can't they? 
For, for some of you this morning, you're, you're 40, you're 50, you're 60 years old, and the issues that you face are nothing that you, necessarily, um, that, that you necessarily need to get rid of or a habit that you need to change, but it's something that someone said to you years ago, and it's something that they put on you. And so from now, from the time they said it until now, you've been constantly dealing with this insecurity and this idea that what they said really is who you are. And so that's become your issue. For some of you, it was something that was done to you or told to you as a little boy or a little girl. And so now as you've gotten older, you've just tried to push that issue deeper and deeper and deeper thinking, if I can just hide it, if I just don't talk about it, the pain will go away. But it hasn't, has it? And if you continue to hide it, you will step into your next season of life just the way you're leaving this one, robbing yourself so much of the freedom that God has for you. If we're not careful, our issues will become our identity. Several months ago, I was watching this uh, World War II documentary, and yeah, I'm a lot of fun. And <laughs> I was watching this World War II documentary, and it was on, it was on Netflix, so I, I don't remember the name of it. So if, if you asked me, I would say, I don't know, search Netflix, WW2 or something. Um, but in this documentary, it, it had like real pictures from World War II with real commentary of some people involved in the war. And there was a nurse from World War II. And one of the things that she was saying was when they, the war was finally over and uh, the people in the concentration camps, the prisoners were released from, from prison. They, of course, they had to, had to nurse them back to health before they could ever get back in the real world because they were so malnourished. They were so mistreated. They had been prisoners for, for years. And she said that one of the things they tried to do was as they dealt with these released ex-prisoners by no doing of their own is that they would try to cheer them up. And so sometimes they would have like a little piece of chocolate for them, just something to cheer them up, just something that they hadn't been able to experience. And she said, almost without fail, what would happen is the ones that could stomach the chocolate, they would hand them a piece of chocolate and the person would take the chocolate, they would hide it in toilet paper and run and stick it up under their, their pillow on their bed. Because they hadn't realized that they could get more chocolate. They were so used to being a prisoner with no rights, they didn't even know what it meant to be, to be free. And if we're not careful, we will live our entire lives as Jesus followers who have their freedom paid for but are still living like prisoners because you're letting your issue become your identity. You have issues I have issues. All God children got issues. The good news is that we're in good company. I was thinking through um, the Bible and the people in the Bible that had issues. Moses, who we talked about last week, who led the Israelites from Egypt to the, well, almost to the promised land. He had his issues. He was God's man. He was God's chosen leader. But when God called him, he told him, he said, I, I don't talk good. I stutter. Why are you choosing me, God? Moses was a murderer. Moses had his issues. Think about David. You know, David who killed Goliath with, I don't know why I'm making so many sound effects these days. But, you know, you remember, you remember David who killed, killed Goliath, but yet he was, he, was, he was too small. He was an adulterer. He was dishonest. He killed a man. Of, roughly, he killed Uriah. David had his issues. What about Abraham? Abraham, God came to Abraham one night and said, hey, the entire nation of Israel is going to come from you, even though you don't have any kids and you and Sarah, y'all old. But the entire nation of Israel is going to come from y'all. They doubted. 
He disobeyed God. What about the New Testament? What about Matthew? Wrote the book of Matthew, followed Jesus, was a tax collector. He was pushed out. He was the deadbeat of society. What about Peter? We've talked about Peter recently, but Peter was a disciple of Jesus. He would go on in Acts 2 to preach one of the world's greatest histories, greatest sermons. But yet Peter had a foul mouth. He denied Jesus. He denied even knowing Jesus. He doubted Jesus. What about Paul? Paul wrote much of the New Testament, but yet in Acts, we see Paul applauding the killing of Christians because he didn't believe like they did. If you have issues today, I want you to know you are in good company. I want us to look for the next few moments at four things that I think through this story of Naaman can help us begin to deal with our issues. I want to talk from the subject of, but there's that. But there's that. I'm going to start in 2 Kings 5 today. We're going to be in a couple of different places, but that's where I want to start. And just to kind of set up what's going on uh, in the passage we just read, and I'm going to reread it in just a second. Um, So Elisha is a prophet. Elisha is the protege of the prophet Elijah. I knew someone who named their kids Elijah and Elisha. None of y'all did that, did you? Because I'm going to offend you. That'd be like beating your head against the wall forever, wouldn't it? Because they could always say, I thought you called him, right? And so Elisha is the protege of Elijah. And we read a whole lot more about what Elijah did in the New Testament than we read Elisha. But this story, Jesus actually references in Luke 4. So we, we know it's important. And let me reread the verse we just read. 2 Kings 5.1 says, Now Naaman was the commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now, Naaman was the commander of an army that was Israel's enemy. And we're not exactly sure why God seemed to give him favor and help him win these battles, but it's, it's clear that Naaman was a great man. He was a great man. And I want you to know this morning that just because you have issues, just because you have that thing that you feel like holds you back doesn't mean you're not a good person. Just because you have something in your life that seems to pull you back every time you try to get out, just because you have an issue, just because you have a but, doesn't mean you're not a good person. Naaman was a great Man, and I don't want you to come in here this morning as we talk about how to deal with that sin issue or that lie thing that you, that you have in your head or how to deal with that thing that holds you back. I don't want you to come in here and think that, that just because we're talking about how to deal with it, that you're a bad person if you have it. We have it. It doesn't make you a bad person. We all have our issues. Naaman was a great man, but he had an issue. It says he was a great man and he was a valiant soldier. Just because you're strong doesn't mean you don't have issues. Men, I think we're really good at this because for some reason we think, oftentimes we think if I admit that I have issues, if I admit that I have doubts, if I admit that sometimes I don't think I'm strong enough, sometimes I don't think I'm enough, sometimes I don't know what to do, sometimes I'm afraid I can't provide for my family, we think if we admit to our issues, it means we're not a strong person. I want you to know this morning, Just because you have issues doesn't mean you're a weak person. Ladies, mom, wife, single lady. I really want to sing it right now. (laughs) 
no, I'll never live that down. <laughs> just because, just because sometimes you feel like you have to take care of everybody else and you feel like you can't do it anymore doesn't mean you're a bad person. You're a weak person. Naaman was a great man. He was a valiant warrior. He was a great man. He was a, a strong man, but he knew he needed healing. Verse two says, now bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. I wanna give us four things how we begin to deal with our issue. Number one is tune in. Tune in. The fact is God is speaking God is speaking to you. Even if you don't have a relationship with Jesus in this room today, God is speaking to you. And what he is speaking to you is he's saying, trust me, I love you, accept me. But if you have a relationship with Jesus, the spirit of God is speaking to you. It doesn't have to be weird. It doesn't have to be cuckoo. It doesn't have to be a billboard in the sky. It doesn't have to be everything lining up to be perfect. You don't have to hear an audible voice. But I want you to know that if you're a believer in this room this morning, the Bible says you have the spirit inside of you and God is speaking to you. He he is saying something to you. The question is, are you tuning into the frequency at which he is speaking? And if you always look for an audible voice or those big things or a big sign, then you will miss it so often. We have to tune in to the voice of God because he's always speaking. This little girl here was an unwilling missionary. She was taken captive from Israel and now finds herself in Syria. And I think this little girl that's about to speak to Naaman, I think she represents the unique way that God often works and speaks. You see, scholars would say that this girl was most likely raised in a godly home. Her parents would have been devastated when she was taken captive from her home at a young age. But yet God would use her immensely in, in, in this moment. She was, she, was, she was godly. My question to you this morning is, are you willing to listen to truthful voices even when they don't look like you thought they would look or sound like you thought they would sound? Are you willing to listen to truthful voices even when it doesn't say what you want it to say? Because so often we miss this. We don't tune into the people around us because if we have an issue, what do we do? We push aside the people that will speak into that issue, don't we? As a matter of fact, for some of you, you ask for advice. When you ask for advice, you're really just asking for validation because all of the people that you go to are people that think just like you. Am I right? Am I the only one who does that? Like, hey, I need your advice on something. But yet you've tried to think about the people that would agree with you the most. Those are the people that you're gonna go to for advice, right? Are you willing to listen to, to, to truthful voices even when you don't like what they're about to say? Our little guy, Riley, takes a lot of medicine sometimes. And Scott, Pastor Scott will be back next week. Y'all won't have to listen to any more Riley stories, okay? I don't think he has any. If he wants to tell them, that's fine, but I'm gonna tell one more. But he, he takes a lot, of, a lot of medicine. And there, there's, there, there's some that he really hates. Like he, he's, he's good as long as he can chew it. But if, if it's a liquid and he's got to swallow it, he hates it. And so every time he gets one of these things, we go through the same thing, right? Because they tell you at the pharmacy, they'll add flavoring to it for 350, but that flavoring does nothing. Have y'all ever tried that? 
It literally, it, 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 it tastes like you've tried to cover up nasty with nasty. And so we've got to where we just don't buy the flavoring because it's, it's not any better. And so we just tell him to suck it up and deal. No, we don't say that. But I try to explain to him, Riley, listen, I know, I know you don't like the taste of this medicine. But you've got to take it because in the long run, it's going to heal something inside of you. Some of us, we have blocked out so many of the voices that we don't like the taste of. But in the long run, we need to listen to those voices. Some of the best things you'll ever hear are things you disagree with. And I love this story, by the way, because it breaks down often the walls, it breaks down the walls of the people that we often listen to. Because this, this servant girl had no right to speak to Naaman. She was a, she was a girl. And in the culture of the time, women would have been talked down to. They would, have been, they would have been pushed down. They wouldn't have been accepted. On top of that, he's a commander of the army and she is a servant girl. She is, she is a captive girl. She had no right to speak to Naaman, but yet Naaman is about to listen to her. It tears down some walls. And let me just say that in our culture today, one of the great problems in our country and in our world today is that we are, have built up walls based on who people are, based on their, 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 um, their gender, based on the color of their skin, based on who they voted for, based on their opinion. And what we often do is we take one little thing about them that we disagree with and we cut them off, don't we? And, and the problem with that is that we are missing so much of the relationship and the voices that God wants in our lives because we cut people off the second we disagree with anything they say. Can, can I just say, and I know this doesn't apply to y'all, probably not, not anybody online, but you can still talk to people that you disagree with. And, and, and I think my generation has become so good at, at sitting behind their phones, typing messages, blocking people, creating fake accounts, and we have missed relationship because of what you posted on your Facebook page. It's okay to disagree with somebody's Facebook post and scroll past it. By the way, it's, it's okay to see something you like on Facebook and not share it because it may be divisive. Thank you, whoever started over here. And I'm not saying that to be on a soapbox, but it's killing the American soul. And what would happen if just the church understood that? You know, people disagree with Jesus. They said, no, don't, don't do that. Don't, 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 don't try that. Jesus' disciples disagreed with Jesus. Do you remember when Peter said, no, don't wash my feet? Did Jesus cut them off? No, he lovingly corrected them, but he did not cut them off. Guys, don't miss relationships. Don't miss wise words because of the color of their skin, their political affiliation, or because of one thing they said that you disagreed with. You'll miss it. And I think this story does an amazing job of, 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 of illustrating that. And so Naaman takes his next step. And in verse four, he says, Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. So he listened to her. Verse five, by all means go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. 
clothing. Tune in and humble yourself. Humble yourself. And those of you who who have been through a, a step study will vouch for me that the first step to change is admitting that you need to change. And that requires humility. The, the problem is, is that for, for so many of us, we, we, we try to deny it so much. And so what we do is we try to puff ourselves up over here to cover up the issue over here. And so we become so prideful about other things that we just ignore the thing that we need to be, we need to be dealing with. Having an issue isn't the problem. God knew God knew that you would have an issue. God knew what my issues would be. He knew that I would be insecure. He knew that I would be scared that I wouldn't be a good dad. He knew that I would not be able to fix things and it would bother me until I was 32. God knew you had issues when you were born. The problem is not having an issue. The problem is refusing to do anything about the issue. And in order to do something, you have to humble yourself. You have to be willing to humble and say, I'm going to work, I'm going to work on, on me because until you humble yourself and you admit that you need to change it, you're not opening yourself up to, to God doing anything inside of you. But it's easy to try to justify our thing, right? Like, they don't understand. My family's like that. My dad was like that. Or it's, it's just the way I am. Or how about this one? I can stop anytime I want to. I just haven't wanted to yet. You ever done that one? Or, or how about, I'll just, I'll, just, I'll just tough my way through it. I'm tough. I'll just, I'll just make it. I'll just push it way down. I'll just hide it. Nobody will have to know. I'll deal with, I'll deal with it later. Or, or, or what about, they, they just don't understand who I am. Or my favorite, they can't judge me. How often do we accuse honest opinions for judgment just so we can quote that? So Naaman leaves with a boatload of money here. Because he was humble and he was willing to do whatever it took to deal with his, his issue of, of leprosy. So he's on his way to the king with this letter. And then in verse six, it says, the letter that he took to the king of Israel read, with this letter, I am sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy. Tune in, humble yourself, act. You have to be willing to act. It is, it is my estimation that many of us in our minds have lost thousands of pounds over our life because we've made a plan. We've had a workout schedule. We've had a workout routine. We hired the trainer. We joined the gym, but we never acted, right? You have to be willing to act. Naaman needed a miracle. He needed God to show up and do a miracle, but he was willing to take action to see it happen. For, for, for some of us, especially if you've been in church for a while, you know how to pray for your miracle, right? Amen, right? You know how to pray for your miracle. But here's the thing, God will still deliver miracles, but oftentimes you have to put in action first. He's, he wants to take that thing away from you. He wants to cure you. He wants to fill that void that you've been missing. He wants to convince you of the truth of, of his love. But some of you, you've got to take some action. You've been putting it off for so long and you've known that you needed to talk to them. You've known you've needed to go see someone to counsel you. You've known it. You've got to take some action. Naaman has an issue. 
His issue is obvious. His issue is leprosy, but he has to take action. And in order to take action, we have to have desperation. And my prayer this morning is, God, make us desperate. God, don't make us desperate just to be better people, just so we can have another notch in our belt. God, don't make us just to have another trophy so that we can be cleaned up better. But God, make us desperate to hear you, to change so that we can receive what's the best that you have for us. Make us desperate. Are you desperate enough to act? Because this thing is literally eating Naaman alive, and he's pretty desperate. You have to, you have to act. And I think for many of us this morning, you often let the idea that there's a perfect step keep you from taking any step. Does that make sense? And so what you do is you try to think, okay, there's got to be the right way to deal with this. I'll deal with it when next year comes. I'll deal with it when I have enough money. I'll deal with it when we have kids. I'll deal with it when we don't have kids. I'll deal with it when they move out. I'll deal with it. I'll deal with it. I'll deal with it. And so you're waiting on the perfect, perfect time and the perfect opportunity. And so you never take any time or opportunity. Sometimes you just have to start. There is no perfect way. You may not go to the perfect counselor at first, or you may not read the perfect scripture in the first five minutes that you started reading your Bible. But you've just got to take a step. You've got to act. So to fast forward the story, this letter gets to the king. The king gets upset with the request because basically he's saying, why are you requesting this for me? I can't do anything about that. He gets mad. He kind of pitches a tantrum. Elisha hears about it and he comes to the king and, and steps in. So Elisha speaks to Naaman. He says, Naaman, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go. I want you to go down to the Jordan River, dip in the river seven times, and you're going to be healed. This is where Naaman kind of runs the other way for a little bit. And he asks Elisha, he's like, wait, first off, I don't don't want to go to the Jordan River because the Jordan River's waters were muddy. They weren't known for having clean water. He said, why don't I go to the rivers in Damascus? They're a couple hundred more miles away, but at least they're clean. And so... Naaman's counselors come to him. They're like, what what are you talking about? If it had been easy, or if it would have been hard, you would have done it. But since it's easy, you're not going to do anything? Which, by the way, sometimes we don't do things because we think it's too easy, right? So finally, Elijah convinces Naaman to go down to the Jordan. And this is what it says in verse 14. It says, so he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan River seven times, as the man of God had told him. And his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. The last thing is try again. Tune in, humble yourself, act, and try again. Why did Elisha tell him to go dip seven times in the Jordan River? Of course, if, you, if you've been studied scripture in the past, you know that number seven is the number of completion or perfection, but it doesn't necessarily say that that's, that's the reason here. So I don't think we have to read into it, but I think one of the reasons why Elisha wanted him to do this was, be, was because he wanted Naaman to see that sometimes you have to try again when something doesn't work the first time. Sometimes what took you years to get that habit, that sin, that thing, it probably won't all go away all at once. You'll probably have to try again. And we don't like consistency in our culture today. 
people are really good at doing things one time, but we're really defined by what we do over time, over and over and over and over again. And so the reason I say that to you is because I think there's some people in here this morning and you've tried those three steps. You've, you've tried to listen to God. You've listened to some people around you, even when you wanted to choke them, you listened. You've tried to tune in. You've tried to humble yourself. You've admitted that you had an issue. You have acted on what you thought God wanted you to do to try to get rid of it, but it didn't work. And you're tired of trying over and over and over again and failing, aren't you? My advice to you today would be, try again. If it doesn't work, try again. What if Naaman would have stopped on number five or number six? He would have still had leprosy. What if where you stopped last is number six? Try again. Don't give up. There's another but in all of this. We have issues, but we have hope. We have issues. All God's children got issues, but we have hope. In Matthew 9, there's a story of a, a woman who had an issue that she was trying to hide. It was an internal issue. No one would... No one would know if they just saw her at the, the market or the grocery store. No one would know that she was suffering so badly in, inside. But she's desperate. She's tired of hurting. She's tired of living with this, this thing. And so one day she decides, I, I've, got to, I've got to do something about this. Like I'm tired of it. I'm tired of the pain. I'm tired of dealing with this. I'm tired of my life having to revolve around uh, around this, this, this thing. And so one day Jesus is walking through a crowd on his way to heal the daughter of a religious leader. And this woman humbles herself and takes some action. And in Matthew 9, starting in verse 20, it says, just then a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, that's her issue, came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, if I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. Now, if I read that passage and I finish this story, we could read it and you could get some warm fuzzies because it's another story of where Jesus healed somebody. But I want you to see that this lady this day was taking a risk. With, with her condition, she was an outcast of society. Some of you, with, with your issue, you feel like an outcast. You haven't had intimate relationships in years. She was an outcast of society. She was, on top of that, she was a woman. She would have had very little rights in this culture. She was an outcast. And this day, she decided it's worth it. I'm gonna take a risk. I'm gonna get out there. I'm gonna get in the crowd. It's worth it. She believed Jesus could do something about her issue. So she creeps in. I can't imagine her trying to look past the legs of people, creeping in, trying to find 
trying to find Jesus, just, just holding on to some hope that this man could, he- could help her finally take care of this issue, something doctors hadn't been able to do. So she's creeping through the crowd. She finds Jesus and she kind of sneaks up behind him and she acts. And Jesus' response gives anybody with an issue hope. Verse 22 says, Jesus turned to her and he saw her. Take heart, daughter, he said, your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed at that very moment. Now look at that verse again. This woman with the issue that had affected her for the last 12 years comes up to Jesus. What are Jesus' first words to her? Jesus doesn't say, hey, you have an issue, stay away. Jesus doesn't say, have you not done something about that yet? Have you not figured something else out about that yet? No, Jesus' first words to this woman who was a cast away, left out, talked about, shunned from everybody. Jesus' first words when he approached this woman this day is to look her in the eye and say, daughter, he identified her before he pointed out her issue. This morning, I want you to know that you are not identified by your issue. You're identified by your Savior. And he says, you are my daughter, you're my son. I lied, one more Riley story I hadn't planned on telling. Riley was about three years old and we had this TV stand and sat on the floor, it's about that high. For a couple of years we had like blankets around it but that looked kind of janky so we finally took them down. One day he's toddling through the living room. He turns the corner and of course he falls, pops under his lip on this TV stand. As you can imagine for a three-year-old, it's mass hysteria, right? I mean, he's sweating, he's crying. Melissa's freaking out, but that's not even part of the story. So in just a matter of seconds, because it's, it's a wound to the mouth, there's, there's blood literally everywhere. Everywhere, on the carpet, on the TV, and I don't want to get too descriptive because I myself will pass out, but there's blood everywhere, all over his clothes. And so me being, being his dad, being the closest one in the room, of course, I, I run over to him because it scares me to death. I'm a first-time father. It's the first time I've seen the blood like this. And so I run over to him and I scoop him up off the floor. And do you know what I did I didn't try to clean him up. I didn't try to get the blood off of anything. I just held him close to me and let him know that he was still my son and that it was gonna be okay. Jesus isn't interested in you cleaning up before you come to him. He identifies you 
even with your issues. With every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're in the room this morning and you can honestly say, I, I couldn't identify myself as, as God's child because I've, I've, never, I've never accepted Jesus. I've never surrendered. I've just never quite, I thought it was all true. If, this morning, if you need that and you feel like God is knocking on the door of your heart, I want you to know that he wants me to tell you this morning that you're his daughter, you're his son. Just surrender to it. So if you're in the room this morning and you need to accept Christ, just say, Jesus, I need you. I don't know how it all works, but I believe that I am messed up and so I'm willing to humble myself. I'm gonna take action. I'm gonna, I'm gonna accept you. I believe you died. I believe you rose. And I ask you to come into my life and change me forever. In Jesus' name, amen. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says, but thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. What step do you need to take this morning? Do you need to be someone who's willing to listen to voices even when they're packaged a little bit differently than you thought they should be or you wanted them to be? Do you need to humble yourself and admit, yeah, I'm jacked up. I got stuff, I gotta get some help. Do you need to take action? Have you been maybe telling somebody, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do it eventually or I'll do it when, when the time's right. I'll go, I'll go see somebody or I'll talk to somebody or I'll, when the time's right. Or are you tired of trying because you failed over and over again and you just, you gotta try again. Or bonus option. Do you just need to receive, you have a relationship with Jesus, but do you just need to receive the reminder that you're his child even with your issues. Because eventually I cleaned Riley up, but I held him close first. God, thank you so much for the people under the sound of my voice. God, for the people watching online. God, I pray that right now that you would just speak to their hearts. God, even as we sing this song, Lord, that you would show them what to do about that thing. We all have it. God, that you would also remind them that they're your son, that they're your daughter. And God, if that view of you being their father messes with them because of what their earthly father's done, God, remind them how much bigger and better you are than that. You're perfect. God, thank you that you don't give up on us. God, we're a work in progress. God, we're not where we wanna be, but we're better than we used to be. God, thank you for walking with us. Thank you for walking with us step by step. 
In Jesus' name, amen.